Sister, sister, there were never such devoted sisters. Never had to have a chaperone, no sir. I'm here to keep my eye on her. Hi, I'm Tammy. And I'm Anjali, and we are the podcast with Sisters. All right. So I would like to welcome you today to our discussion. We're actually going to be talking a lot about mental health and specifically schizophrenia with mental health. And we are so blessed today to have Karen Combo with us. And she is an international speaker. She is an author. She is an advocate for discussing mental health and making sure that people get the health, the help that they need and that they deserve. So Karen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tammy. And it's an honor to be with you. And I thank you for having me as a guest. This is a complete honor to be able to also be talking about such an important subject. It is. It is. So first thing you have, you have a huge background. Like I said, you are you are an international speaker. You work with people in the United States. You work with young people. You work with people in Africa, all over the world. So I want to start with giving us your background. What brought you to where you are today? Because it's a very interesting story. Yes. Well, thank you. I was raised by a mother that had schizophrenia, which started at the age I was four, when my mother first had her first nervous breakdown and started showing signs. So I was a child that grew up with it, grew with it. um, If you can imagine, you know, you're born into this world and the parent or guardian is supposed to take care of you. You have this instant love for a mother, father, guardian. You have an instant love as a child. And can you imagine knowing you're supposed to love this, your mama and fearing her and sometimes as you're growing, hating her at the same time. The problem being no one's addressing the child and explaining to them what's going on. So I went through my whole life and my mission is, if you will, is I never did get any help for that. So it will go right into your adulthood. adulthood. It will not stop. So um, basically it's abuse, the mental abuse. I took a lot of your self-worth is removed. You're scared. You become my biggest thing, Tammy, if you will, is talking about the quiet child. Because when you have it at home, you become silent. You're not sick, but you don't want it. You're scared. You don't want to talk to anybody about it. You go to school. You don't raise your hand. You don't get into sports. You don't uh, go over to anybody. Um, you don't invite people to your home because you don't want them to see it because you know Something's wrong. Your your home is not like their home. Okay. Which I can see can be very difficult on multiple multiple levels trying to connect with other people. It, it can, and you're not feeling loved. So that parent's not usually what they have schizophrenia. They're not. My mother didn't zero. She zeroed me out. So there was no hugs or I love you. So then in turn, as a teenager, you have different things that start to happen. You're wanting to have someone say, I love you and feel a hug. So it can lead to a lot of uh, sexual abuse, a lot of sexual things that happen to the child. You're leading, you're just wanting that love and that 
gratification that you're supposed to be here, but you're not getting. So you seek it and you can do a lot of harmful things to yourself at that time. That is, that is a very powerful statement yeah. to, to sit with. Um, for people who are listening, we hear the term schizophrenia, but we don't really know what it is. We know what we see on TV, what we see in the movies. Um, I do know that usually it starts late teens, sometimes in the 20s. Um, typically more females than males. And there's usually some traumatic or life-changing event that like causes the switch to turn on. So for people listening, can you explain schizophrenia and then, and then we'll get back coming from, you know, what that is. And then we'll get back into, into, your situation because it's very difficult to understand why a parent would do this to you yes okay schizophrenia uh we'll say this out loud first mental illness is a schizophrenia they're living with it they don't have it i come to educate myself they're living with it and they didn't choose it i learned that as being an adult but as a child you do not know that so my mother, I'm going to take them for a different ride, if they will. My mother was a genius. She graduated from high school at 13, college at 16. She became an incredible teacher, eighth, kindergarten through eighth grade in one-room school for many years. Um, she was one of those that could read uh, and never forget a page. So she was in that category of genius. What Nothing traumatically happened. She was extremely happy doing what she wanted to do. So when it started to happen to her, it kind of goes against everybody. And, and schizophrenia is different for everyone that has it. There may be symptoms that they have the same, but you have to realize our brain is different. Nobody's the same person. So their brain is not going to be the same as the next person next to them that has schizophrenia. So in cases like my mother, she picked out colors. Like if you wore red, she would have a fit. She goes, you know, you should be wearing yellow today. They found her driving on the wrong side of the road because that was what she felt needed to happen. She would um, do things, um, say things that were completely out of character and then just start laughing for no reason. She um, would always call me dumb. I was worthless. Um, I never could achieve anything. I was never going to be anything. And so dumbbell became a normal word for me every day of my life with my mother. And so that you're getting, so there's a lot of different ways that, that this can be happening to the child. But schizophrenia can come out very ugly. It can come out very, which is raw in my book, in my story. I, I completely go raw with it so people can see what it can be. And then other schizophrenia, people don't have it as bad. You know, they, they can take, um, they don't have institutions. My mother was in and out of institutions nine, nine different times. She had electric shock treatments when at that time they were legal. They were giving her two a day till she had 50. All that did was remove some brain memories. She would still go back to it. So I think that it's still not curable. And we have to learn to live with them and they have to learn to live with us and it all becomes in the education. 
that's why it's so important, I think, for children. But that's the schizophrenia I lived with. She would try to, she also went after my father um, when, I, when you know, she would say that he was completely dumb and he was doing stupid things and people were going to do bad things to him. Uh, the reason the snipers we couldn't see is the name of my book is because my mother always was convinced people were shooting at the house. And I would find myself as a little girl staring at the outside of the house, looking for the holes where they were shooting because you don't know any difference. So you believe mm -hmm. there must be holes happening to the house. So. And tell us, Karen, as far as treatments right now, you talked about some options, but what what is the treatment right now for schizophrenia? Well, schizophrenia right now, they, they have medication. They are looking into some, I've read, some mushrooms type of thing. I do believe, um, you know, my mother had it in the 60s. So that was where they threw them, you know, not threw them, but put them in insane asylums. Mm -hmm. Never in the right, they never made them go to different levels, if you will. So my mother would always be put where maybe they were worse off than my mother. So she didn't come out of there gaining anything. They just drugged them up. Like she was on 18 different pills. It was like a chemical warfare going on inside her. One pill would do one thing, one pill would do another. I think they're gaining ground as far as getting working a little bit better, I don't feel like they're doing enough. I'm not going to mm -hmm. give them credit for that yet. Um, I do. I think that schizophrenia needs to be so studied more on the chemical side. Um, I think they're gaining some ground, but I'm not so sure uh, they're being as helpful as they can because some of you have to realize some people can't afford counseling. Some people can't mm -hmm. go to a psychiatrist. Somebody can't. And, and are they going to the right one? Are they going to where someone really wants to understand that and understand that they're living with this? They're not made, they're not wanting to say, they're not knowing that what they say doesn't make sense to you. And how diagnosable is it? Like, what, is, what are the, the numbers right now as far as those that are diagnosed versus what? what we think might be still walking around undiagnosed? How, well, there's how one we controlling that. And that's a, that's a one, in that. one in six. I'm not an MD, so I do not pretend or I will not go into that study that would require a psychologist or a, a medical person to uh, be able to give you a complete answer on that. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, it is a proven and it is out there in statistics. It's one out of every six. So being the child of a of mentally ill mother. So my next question said, so if you say one out of every six, your second question should be how many of them have children? And that, right. and that so that's and is that one out of six with mental illness or one out of six for schizophrenia? One out of six for mental illness. So it can be a lot of different. Okay. Have, just want to make sure we were yes, clarifying. It can be anything okay. in the mental health uh, illness world, but one out of every six suffers with some form of mental illness. And then can we talk about your work with children and about your trips to Africa and all of the things you're doing? Absolutely. Um, my goal and my mission is to help the children. I know I can't, I can't fix the ones that have schizophrenia. I can't, I'm not capable of 
doing that, um, nor is the people in the home, you know, fixing it. So if you can't fix it, you have to learn to live with it. So my goal and my mission is to get to every child possibly and as fast as I can to say, okay, I'm going to educate. Number one, I'm going to, this is what their solutions need. They need, they need to be educated what it is because children are resilient. If you tell them what's going on at home, they're going to say, okay, now I get it. It's not my fault. I'm not, she, um, mom or dad or my guardian might call me that, but they're not meaning it. Now I, now I get where all that's coming from. And then say it, talk about it. They're not alone. They need to say it out loud. So my mission is to get to all the children. You're not alone. You've got to say it out loud. You have to talk to someone that will listen. And you're going to edu- we're going to help you get educated in this. So that when you are growing through this, you can learn to thrive. Because the children that were before me, I have over 10,000 emails where they go, please don't stop. They were the ones before me, during me, that are going to come after me saying, some end up with drug addiction, alcoholism, foster care, homeless, because no one walked into their lives. And it can be as simple as a relative. Relatives know when there's mental illness in the, in the, in the mm-hmm. home. And they know when the aunt, mm-hmm. uncle, or cousin, or someone has it. So if you are aware of that, so I speak to adults as well, take that child for ice cream. It's, it's as simple as that as letting that child know what normalcy is for that day, giving them a break from it, letting them know that you're aware, helping them through it. Just so, because we're really missing out in the world about, across the world, especially, I've been, just got back from Africa, same thing there. The world's missing out on these wonderful children that want to be somebody, but they think they're worthless. They've been beat down. They don't know who they're supposed to be. And in turn, the world's missing out on everything good. I can't even imagine what this world would be if everyone would have thrived and became who they wanted to be. Uh, I just got back from Africa. I did kind of a neat thing there. Wasn't really sure, you know, where they were with the mental health world. So this is my first time speaking. Spoke to over 10,000 children in 10 days. What they came out of it with, I would have them shut their eyes. So this would just give you a little bit of example. Because... Most children like a little bit of privacy. They're scared. Maybe they're not trusting of, of, they don't want their friends to know maybe a lot of things yet. So I said, shut your eyes. How many people know someone that is struggling with, and we talk about the symptoms of mental health. 65% would raise their hand. I said, okay, keep your eyes shut. How many of you are feeling that way yourself? Got about 70% raise their hand. Nobody saw. Then I asked the hard question. I said, how many of you are thinking of suicide? And 35% raised their hand. So it comes to understand that across, you may travel across the world, but the children, and they all want it. They all, you know, afterwards, they've sent me emails after emails, just asking me, uh, where can I read? How can I educate myself on uh, mental health? And how do I adjust myself. And so I tell them to start talking about it. So they, they started forming little groups right after. It was kind of interesting because they started forming little groups right after the talk and they were off to have their teeth and start talking about it. Because children will do it. Amazing. They'll do it. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, they I, will. I think we're in their way. I think I think sometimes grown-ups are in their way because we're the ones struggling talking about mental health. We're we're the ones are we supposed to say this? Are we supposed to say it out loud? Because we were trained not to talk about it. And we were yes. caught up in the world where mental health wasn't discussed. And if someone had a crazy uncle, nobody talked about it. You know, everybody just shunned it. So the kids right now today, uh, whether it's uh, even transgender, you know, uh, all the stuff that's going on in their world, social media, the bullying, everything, they're ready to talk about it and they want solutions and they're willing to get engaged with it. Yeah, we were talking about that before we actually started the podcast of the fact that there is a generation of children that I think is probably right now between 16 and like 28. Um, and I, I work with, with a lot of them, teaching them going into medical school. And they are so much more open than we were as when we were growing up. They are, they are willing to, to say, you know what, it's normal to sometimes have anxiety. Let's talk about that. It's normal to be depressed sometimes. Let's talk about that. Let's let's normalize things so that we don't have to be afraid as a child to go to school and say, you know, I need to talk to my teacher or a counselor because this is happening at home, but I'm afraid of the stigma. I'm afraid of what my friends are going to say. I'm afraid of what my family is going to say. And they're doing such a good job of saying, you know what? Talk about it. Because this is how we fix things, is by talking about it. And so I think it's amazing that you're doing that. But I do want to go back for just a minute, unfortunately, to your childhood, okay, where you said that you did not, you did not get this help. We're, we're the same generation where even if we knew this was happening, we are not going to talk about it even with a sibling, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, friends. So I want to know a couple of things. One, how did you get the help that you needed to be the amazing person that you are now saying, I need to help others? And two, what would have been different had you had you as an adult coming to you like you are coming to these children and saying, let's talk. Let's make this normalized. So, and it's kind of a double-edged question, but that's my question. Yes, well, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful question, and I thank you for it. Well, it would have saved my life if someone would have came in. I would have never been abused. I would have never went down the road, um, which is too long for people to understand, but I would have never went down the road that I never knew I could get off of if someone would have intervened. I would have maybe looked at my mother different. I would have looked at her with maybe love, you know, I could try to find the love in, in her. Um, I would have maybe had some more of a um, compassion because I felt it was all about, I was more scared about the beatings I was going to get. I was more scared of the hits because she beat me my whole life. So, you know, you're, you're beat down, but I think I, if someone would have came in, I think I would even handle that differently. And so, um, that part to address that part i would have known who i wanted to be when i got out of high school i wouldn't have had to 
be just sent off to dog grooming college because nobody knew what to do with me. Um, and I knew I had it inside me. See, that, that little core inside a child knows that something's wrong, but nobody's talking to you about it. And so you go to school and nobody's talking about it. So you're not going to bring it up because you're, the main thing is fear. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you get home if you talk about it. So if nobody's talking about it and your peers aren't talking about it, you're not going to talk about it. So that would have saved my life. As far as adult, my mother committed suicide when I was 29. And everybody goes, is that where you come to peace with everything? Absolutely not. Because what I was talking to on a radio show yesterday was, the sad thing is, because I was a child and never got the help that I needed, it didn't stop when mom passed away. It stayed with me. And so you asked, how did I become where I am today? The only thing that happened when mom died was I thought, can this just be me? You know, I kept, even though I w went on with the abuse road, I kept thinking to myself, I couldn't have been the only one. And so for all them years, I thought I've got to write about it. So for 30 some years, Tammy, I carried it. And finally, in my finally in my late fifties, I said I had taken my last abuse. When I married for twenty four hours and knew I had made a mistake and had to get annulment, and I thought, what am I doing? And something inside me with this rage said, I am so sick of this. I don't under, even understand what it is. Then I said, I've got to start getting into me. So even though I was working, I started. Um, meeting with some doctors and we started talking about it about and somebody somewhere in that medical field that I was talking about started talking about self-love and saying you need to love yourself and know that you weren't you were just a victim of mental abuse you're just a victim of mental health you're you're just a victim of it and because you never received anything it's been living in you and still living in you so then I wrote the book and then uh, my biggest satisfaction is with Wally Lamb endorsed me before it even went to the print. You know, he said, you can do this. Then I knew I had it because he did that. He did a book on I Know This Much is True with the schizophrenia twin. You know, one twin had it, one twin did not. And he said to be patient with myself. And, well, that was opposite because I thought, well, them kids, and I could just feel the kids screaming out, you know, come, come help me. So I have been on this mission for um, over 30 some years, but the last 12 years, pretty in, pretty intense. The last two years, very intense. And I'm at 65 years old, so to make everybody smile a little bit, it's like, I've got to hurry up because um, not, you just never know. So I said at 65, I better get going. So I have been nonstop since just, uh, I did get an agent, I did get publicist, I've got beautiful people, psychologists. I talked to a lot of teachers um, and the force is with, you know, I just get up every morning and it's just there. That's amazing. Yes. I, I have to honor you for taking something that is still difficult, but saying, I'm going to change other people's lives. Right. I'm going to allow them to discuss to make this normal. Right. So just think of how it's spreading because they're going to do the same thing you're doing. Right. They, and they are. And you know what it just got to me was it just won't leave. 
And finally, Jim Fay, one of our neighbors with Love and Logic, goes, sit down and write it. You've got, you've been chosen. And I, my girlfriends laughed because they said, you've been saying this for 20 years and you're just now doing it. But the neat thing is you're doing it. You said you were yes. going to do it and you finished it. And you're, ne and I just told him inside my being, I know I've been chosen because it just won't leave. It just mm -hmm. won't leave. So, which is good, which is good, which is good. And it, it is, I have started reading the book. You can get it if, if you are in Colorado, Tattered Cover has it. If you are not, you can get it off of Amazon or you can even order it from Tattered Cover and have it, have it sent to you either, either way. And the reviews are just amazing for your book. And as I'm reading it, I now know why. Because once you pick it up, you can't put it down. You really, you really want to understand yes. what you went through. And, yes. and how maybe to recognize that in yes. children that you may come in contact or even adults, your same age that you may come in contact, how to recognize that sometimes people just need to talk. They do need to talk. I've had uh, all over the world, women reach out to me and say um, what had happened to them. And it's quite amazing because all of a sudden they become peaceful when we're done talking and it's because it's the first time they've acknowledged it. And I said, you know, we're a little late in the game, but we're not too late to the game. That's why I tell the kids, we're not too late. You know, you're, we can change this. We, but the solutions have to happen. And that's my goal. I will tell you, that's my, I trust every day when I wake up and I, you know, I do my meditation and, and talk to my God and I said, I know the road's going to be crooked. I know that I know where we're headed and I'm going to trust it. And we are just getting it started, ramping up uh, big time. I'm going to San Diego next week for to high school. And it's just about, and the teachers want it because they go, you know, we need a program in here. We're not capable. We're not trained. I'm supposed to teach them English. I'm not supposed to sit here and teach them about mental health. I mean, these, these schools are needing help because you can't ask teachers that are doing all their work to do another class when that's not what their study was. And they're going, how do we get these programs in? I go, then that's how it, it starts with the village. And it's bigger than me. I said, it's bigger than you. And if we all start joining hands in this, we can bring it. It will happen the right people. I tell them not to wait for me. Go into the schools and start making your change. Start meeting after school. Do whatever you got to do while we're trying to get this done. But um, the main thing is not to wait. Well, and starting with the children. Yes. That's the, that's the amazing part of your work is you are starting at the crux of the issue when they're children, when they're so vulnerable that they can recognize it in their loved ones and be able to protect themselves and be educated on how to do that and that it's not them. And as you said in the beginning, it your mother was also a victim of mental illness. It was not who she was. It was a part of her. And to understand that is such a huge thing because then you can still love that person. Yes. And right. it's... Uh, it's been quite interesting where this is leading, if you will. So you have the children say, okay, I have it at home. 
and thank you. Then you have the child that says, I'm starting to feel a little something. Can maybe somebody talk to me? And then you have the child that I've been talking to that says, my best friend, I know that that's what's going on in their home. I'm going to have them talk about it. Then I had one really blow me away the other day. And it was coming out of a student. And the student said, you don't suppose if we started, if the programs were there for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, you don't suppose we'd stop all the high school shooters because they're all high school kids. And when you look at them, one of the intelligent young women said, when you look at them, they had mental illness or mental health going on in their homes and abuse. Maybe if we got to them early, maybe we wouldn't know how many school shootings we have stopped. And I couldn't. Absolutely. I couldn't believe it. And I just sat with it. And I said, there you have it. Well, you are creating a massive village that will change the world. And you, you're creating such a force from such a painful place. It's such a blessing that you've given this, that you're able to gift this to everyone. I'm gifted with women like you both. And it's <laughs> because of you that the word's getting out there. And I never take that. I'm so, I'm so humbled that people want to hear it. Uh, I thank you both for everything you're doing and your podcast because you're reaching so many children and everything you do for kids. And I mean, it's just, it, it takes a village and it's just not a one woman war, you know, war. It's if, if everybody joins together, I tell the kids, I don't care if they remember my name, just get it done and let's make the change. That's, right. That's not my mission for you to remember who I was, but it was to remember that, um, and maybe made you flip the switch inside and and uh, make a difference. Thank you so much, Karen. We appreciate all the work yes. you're doing. Thank you. And if you can, again, tell us about your, your title of your book and where we can get it one more time. All right. The title of my book is The Snipers We Couldn't See. And you can go to my website, which is www.karencomba.com. And on there, it's got buttons. You can click Barnes & Noble, Tattered, Atasca, Amazon. And you just click there and you can have the, get the book right away. And if you want to reach out to me and you want to have a discussion you, where it says contact Karen, you click on that and it goes directly to my email. Excellent. That's amazing you because so much, you're Karen. going to want a lot of people. A lot of people are going to want to talk to you. That's, after that's after listening to this, which is what we want. We want people to talk. Well, yeah. and I love you both for having me today. And thank you so very much. It's been a complete honor. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. You're welcome.